just adjusting my headphones, turning the Brian volume down a little bit. Oh, now. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode 236. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Prilliman, and I am joined this evening by one Brogan King. Only one Brogan King. Yes. The once and future Brogan King. Ooh. Oh, yeah. That's fancy. It is fancy. Uh, that's an actual book about King Arthur, the once and future Brogan King. <laughs> uh, I would like to read this. Uh, you, it's, it's cool. Uh, you age backwards in it. So Do you I? Ben- you're, yeah, you're, all, you're Benjamin Button. I was going to say, I, I, I'm Brogaman Button. Brogaman button. There you go. You get that on your next Starbucks mug. Apparently. Yes. So, um, we are not talking about Benjamin <laughs> Benjamin's buttons or uh the once future king, although I believe we are talking about a set that contains a card called like the once in future or something along those lines. There's so many cool card names yeah. in this. We're set. talking this is the throne of Eldraine El. Elder Drain, Eldr- Throne of Definitely Not Eldrazi. I don't know. The Throne of Purple Rain. I don't know. Ooh, yes. I like that. Yes, the set formerly known as Throne of Eldraine. Um, we'll be talking about that set today. We'll be going over the new mechanics of the set and some of the cards while we were looking over the release notes that piqued our interest that might uh, result in rules questions at your local pre-release, or maybe you're not local pre-release. Maybe you traveled to it. Maybe or... your your fancy new location pre-release. Yeah, your fancy new location pre-release, or you know you'll be able to answer when that person plays a wacky EDH <laughs> card. You know the one. You know the one. Um. So, uh, yeah. So, Throne of Eldraine. Uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock, or maybe living in a lake. Um, is uh, Wizards' new set. It is inspired by uh, fairy tales, like Grimm's fairy tales, like Some all the very cool fairy tale things, Disney stuff. Just basically, just like all the fairy tales that, like, if uh, if uh, 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 Lorwyn had not been about like um, Gelflings and. Uh, uh, if Lorwyn had not been trying so hard to not be like throw, ha- trying so hard drain. to be cool, yeah, all right, yeah, they like weren't, they weren't Gelflings; they were Kithkins. That's what they were. It was the, <laughs> it was the the uh like edgy teen brother of Throne of Eldraine. Throne of Eldraine is the younger sibling, like the middle sibling, who realizes that they can just really be themselves. This this set's just looking at the cards. Uh, so this set is is like a weird nostalgia set in terms of like flavor, because you know there'll be a card and you're like, oh, I re- I know what that is. Oh, that's a that's a reference to you know. Oh, that's Elsa. Or oh, I know that that's Goldilocks or things things like that. I know uh, that that's Bear Suplex. Wait, what? <laughs> yes, from that from that classic children's story. Uh, uh, the three bear. Bear suplex gruff. <laughs> You've just mashed a lot of things together. 
<laughs> All right. Well, speaking of mashing things together, let's talk about adventurer cards. How convenient. How convenient. Okay. Um, so, I am having, I had a very, very hard time understanding at first looking at what, because these cards have a lot going on physically with how they, they look. So if you have not actually gone to look at adventurer cards, um, they look really interesting in that's that, a word <laughs> in that they've got all these fancy little frames and they've got this book thing being segmented it's like a split card ish but not quite um and it's basically it functions similarly to a split card in that it's a creature on one part of it and an instant or sorcery on another part um and usually like thematically they're they're linked in some way like they like you know how sometimes Creatures are designed to just be, like, a spell attached to a creature. Mm-hmm. I feel like they were having their cake and also eating it with these. Yeah, like, some some of them, some of them do tell a, a, a story. Um, like, like, one of them is basically Goldilocks and... So many she, bears. And she can summon three bears. Okay, or, or not necessarily she summoned. So let's 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 explain maybe what it is. What exactly the adventure cards? Yeah. So we've got um, the one that the example that I'm looking at in front of me is a is called Brazen Borrower, and that is the creature, um, and it is a fairy rogue three one for one blue blue with flash flying, and Brazen Borrower can block only creatures with flying. Cool. This is a neat little evasive creature um and then it also has a little text box in the bottom left uh that says uh petty theft for one in blue it's an instant with the type adventure which is neat um and says return target non-land permanent and opponent controls to its owner's hand so it Hmm. it's interesting how this actually works because you can cast it as an instant or sorcery. You can cast it for, for the, as the adventure spell. And then you can later cast, and then it is exiled if you do. And then you can later cast the creature part from exile, which is the opposite of how my brain wants this to work. Well, no, you can cast it as a creature. Well, you, you can, can just straight up cast. You can just cast Brazen Borrower for three mana and get your three one flash flyer. Yeah, but it didn't go on its adventure. It well, you cast you cast Petty Theft, and then it goes to Exile, and then you can that that was its adventure. Right, but if I just cast it from my hand as yeah. as a the flyer, oh. Well, then it's not the brazen borrower; it's the brazen sorrower. <laughs> because this I didn't is, get the value of the sad, petty right. theft. Yeah. So so, right. So uh, um, so that's thematically the way these things are are supposed to work. Is you can when it's in you when it's in your hand. Let's 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 build up slowly to some of the rules wackiness. Um, if it's in your hand, you can cast it as the instant, or you can cast it as the creature. Mm-hmm. Um, it Which it is is why 
part of why it was so confusing is because the way it is structured on the card it doesn't is not immediately evident that you can do both right um when it's in your hand it's a creature card when it's in your library it's a creature card when it's on the battlefield it's a creature card when it's in exile it's a guess what <laughs> i don't know brian is it a creature card it is a creature card. Me whispering creature card when we run level later on the podcast, that's going to sound weird. Because <laughs> it's going to make it a lot louder than uh, than I intended. Yeah, so it's a creature. Uh, all those all those parts of the adventure, the name, the mana cost, all that stuff in that little tiny yellow, uh, little tiny box doesn't exist. So you don't like, well, well, I got a card with two names. No, no, doesn't exist. For, for like, anywhere not on the stack. Yep. It's a creature. And even if you ca- even on the stack, if you cast it a creature, it's a creature. It's only a, not a creature on the stack. Sometimes. Yep. All right. So what what else, what else we got with this adventure? Um. Well, a, we've got a a new subtype of instants and sorceries. So if there's something that cares about casting adventures, uh, we have the it's something to be mindful of. Um. Casting an adventure um, is, it's not an alternative cost, but it does have alternative characteristics. So like we were saying, um, when you are casting it as an adventure, you, for the purpose of determining what it is on the stack, you are then paying attention to the parts that are on that adventure piece. So, so petty, petty theft, if you cast as petty theft, it's, uh, it's converted mana cost is two. If you cast it as brazen borrower, it's converted mana cost is three. For the seems pretty straightforward, right? Right, because in in you, if there are counter spells or anything like that that cares about the characteristics of the card that you're casting, pay attention to the part that you are casting. Um, if you are casting the creature part, um, you have to legally be able to cast a creature just because well in this case the the creature does have flash but if my adventure piece is an instant that doesn't mean i can just play my creature whenever i want um you um if you have an ability that lets you cast a sorcery at any time um you can cast a one of the adventure sorceries at any time. Um, it's interesting to me that if you... One of the notes is, if you can cast creature cards from your graveyard, you can't cast an adventure in your graveyard. Yep. I don't know why that's weird to me, but it is. Because the rule to check to see if you can cast a creature that check when you're doing the steps to casting a spell is after mm-hmm. like how to distribute. After, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So. That. Uh, pretty neat. Alright, so uh, so what happens when uh, when you cast the adventure and it goes to resolve? Uh, what do you mean? Uh, oh! So, so, who who is where the uh, spell is going. Um, If you're casting your card as an adventure, the controller will exile it. Note this in big letters. 
circle it, write it down. Um, the controller exiles it rather than putting it in the graveyard. And while it's exiled, that player, again, the controller, may cast it as a creature. Yep. That that was that was kind of weird when I when I was writing this stuff up. I was like, "Huh, that's weird that they say the controller instead of when they refer to that player they're referring to the controller and not the owner because normally things in exile uh we only care about who the owner is." Right. But this is this is referring to the controller of the spell whoever exiles it. That player gets to cast it from exile. And so I was like, "How is how does that?" And then we have a card later <laughs> Where really our only no- show notes is going to be like, and this is why. This is the one. <laughs> this is the one. Um, okay. So related to where your spells go when you um, play them, cast them, depending on which part you're casting. Um, if the adventure is countered, um, you, it's not going to get exiled. And because it's not exiled, you will not be able to cast the creature. Um, which is also true if the card itself is exiled in some other way. You can't just... It's, it is not, by default, something that allows you to cast the creature from exile. You will have had to play the adventure, have that resolve, and then it's exiled in that way. Cool. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Um. So we've also got uh, if an effect is effect copies an adventure spell. Okay, the copy is also going to get exiled when it resolves. And then you've got these uh, fun state-based actions. The little garbage, garbage cleanup folks of the magic rules are going to cause that thing to cease to exist. It is not possible to cast a copy of an... uh, And it's not possible to cast a copy of an adventure spell as a creature. So um, when you copy an adventure spell, you're copying the adventure. You can't say, oh, well... I'm copying it, but I'm going to choose to copy the creature part. No, none of that. That'd be gnarly. It would be. Um, <laughs> I love the phrasing on this. Uh, if something refers to a card, spell, or permanent that has an adventure, um, that's talking about the alternative characteristics on adventure cards. Um, yeah. Which, I just like the phrasing, it has an adventure. Yeah, so I think this is a little bit of an exception because it has set, the rules say, or at least the 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 air quotes rules that we've gotten in the release notes say that all of the alternative characteristics of the adventurer card, i.e., the instant adventure, you know, its name and stuff like that, it just straight doesn't exist. Nope, nope, doesn't exist. Nothing can see it. Right. But this is a little bit of an exception. Yeah. And you can say, who's who's had an adventure? Who's had one? What do you mean? Well, it's, no, just like oh, just you're like, talking to you. How do you... You talk, you know, you uh, you pick your, your three-year-old up from uh, from daycare, and they were out playing on the slides. Who had an adventure? Did you have fun? Did you have an adventure? 
<laughs> Did you have an adventure today? I would pick somebody up from daycare. Or... Right. Yeah. Did you have good? Did you have good time? <laughs> well, I'm. I think that as a whole, how adventures are cast and what happens when things go from one zone to another. I think this is going to cause a fair number of questions. Um, at least initially. I I think I don't think once people are used to the set and how the cards work, it will be particularly problematic. It's just one of those same thing with like vehicles when vehicles came out. It's just a weird thing and there are parts that people aren't going to know. Yep. Yep. Alright, so the next mechanic so uh of several months ago, uh wizards had uh the mountain goats come and do a performance <laughs> for them. Um, so obviously they, they, they've got some ties to, to music. And while I, I guess I can maybe kind of understand why they would bring the mountain goats in. I don't really understand why they would name a, me- a mechanic after a, an English musician from like the, the eighties. <laughs> Did you just um, go a so- really long way? To make a joke about Adam Ant? Uh, possibly. <laughs> oh okay. my goodness. That was really... That was quite a setup. That was? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. So yeah, so the, 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 other, the other mechanic in this set... So there's a few returning mechanics, but, but Adventure is new. And I guess the complexity of that was pretty high, so they tended to kind of scale back the other stuff. Adamant's pretty, pretty simple. It's... Uh, it's an ability word, okay, that basically means if at least three, you know, green mana or three three mana of the color that the card is. The, the color that it says. Yes. Uh, then you get like an extra little, a little oomph. So the example, let's, let's make that a little clear. There's a card called Turn Into a Pumpkin. Which, again, is just a wonderful card name. It, it is. And it's it's funny, I, I use that phrase to describe people when they get tired at nighttime. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're playing D&D and then you've got that one person, you're supposed to be playing until, like, 11 o'clock or midnight, and you've got that one person at 10 o'clock that's just kind of going to sleep, they turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, if, if I have to leave a place that I'm, it's like, oh, it's getting late, I gotta, I gotta turn into a pumpkin soon. Yep. So, so turn into a pumpkin is three and a blue. Instant, return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, draw a card. Now it says, Adamant, if at least three blue mana was spent to cast this spell, create a food token. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. <laughs> we will. Will we? Is that in the notes? It is in the notes. Okay. So, um, in this particular thing, uh, it's important to note, uh, you perform the effects in order on the card. So, uh Specifically, I don't get to choose the order. So if Return Into Pumpkin, if I cast it with at least three blue mana, I'm going to return an on-land uh, permanent to its owner's hand. I'm going to draw a card, and then I'm going to create a, the food token. I don't get to mix and I don't get to change the order around. I still have you, to do it in order. You can't get tricksy with, with how you execute the actual actions. Yes. Um, if an effect lets you cast a spell without paying its mana cost... Okay, you can't choose to pay the mana cost unless something else lets you. So if you if it's if you flip over something and you're like, 
you can play you can play turn into a pumpkin without paying its mana cost and you're like no 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 thanks or you can cast it without paying the mana you know flip over the top card of your library you can play without paying its mana cost and you're like no thanks because i'd really like the adamant boost no, no you can't then choose to to pay yeah. more mana than what right. it's telling you to pay Right, and if there's something that says like all spells you call uh, all, sp- all spells you cast cost two generic less, you're like, um, well, that, can that they would... not though? Yeah, can I, can I just not? No, you can't ignore cost reductions. And then finally, adamant effects actually check what mana was actually spent to cast the spell. So if an effect allows you to spend mana as though it were mana of any color. And so I use my green mana to cast, you know, four green mana to cast turn into a pumpkin. Doesn't count for adamant. Um, it, so it's, it's create... as though it were, but it's not. Right. Yeah, but it's not. Or if somehow I spend three blue mana to cast my turn into a pumpkin and then I copy turn into pumpkin. Well, that copy doesn't doesn't get the adamant either. Because first, I didn't cast the spell. And second, the copy doesn't actually see or care what color mana was used for its... Um. Uh, for the thing that is copying. Um. So that's turn into that's adamant. That is uh adamant whose dis- discography um went from 1977 all the way to uh 2016. I think. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, he is still. Uh, he is uh keep on rocking in the free world. That's Neil Young. That's not the same. <laughs> I, I think Adamant's a really cute uh, mechanic in that it it prevents me and other people like me from being too completely greedy with how they choose to draft. <laughs> um, in maybe maybe there's a reason for me to not just splash every color. I don't know though. We'll see. Um Oh man, I'm ready to talk about the the cutest part of this set. Really? Yeah. All right. There's, Hit me up. What's the cutest part of this set? We get snacks. There's food. <laughs> um and so food is an artifact type, which is neat. <laughs> um and Ew. Right? It I I think I get it, but it's weird. Um, so it's an artifact type, but it if you have an artifact creature, um, you can have an artifact creature that has the type food. So, for example, Ginger Brute is an artifact <laughs> creature food golem, which is just a name and type line that brings me such joy. A food golem? Yes! And and ginger brute. Um, so if there's something that refers to to food, so for example, there's a card called Tempting Witch that has an ability that lets you sacrifice a food to do something. Um, I don't have to sacrifice specifically a food token, which Tempting Witch also makes. Um, there are many cards in the set that make food tokens, um, but if you happen to have another a card that has the type food you can it is referring to any thing with the type food not necessarily specifically the tokens um there are uh 
some effects that will make food um, that were that have targets. So I can't. Uh, so for example, um, turn into a pumpkin, like we just talked about. Um, if you have paid that adamant co- adamant cost, um, you return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand, draw a card, and then you make a food token. If your um, target, as as we say in every release notes episode, um, if there are no legal targets, when the spell goes to resolve, the spell does not resolve, so you don't get your food. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> this is... just very sad. The, the setup for this in the show notes, it just says standard decla- standard disclaimer about targets being removed. <laughs> <laughs> so the ginger brute, did, did you notice that it's giving the ginger brute haste and it, it can't can be, be blocked, blocked except creatures by creatures with, with haste. It. Right. This is run, run, you know, it run as fast as you can. Me. You can't catch the ginger brute, man. What this is a great. beautiful card. And then. Like, I, it took me way too long to realize why, like, why do food tokens, or, like, why does food gain you life? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, really? It took me, well, because I'm I'm thinking about... filling up your health bar. I'm, I'm thinking about other mechanics we've had recently that, like, create token artifact things like clues where you draw cards and treasures mm-hmm. where you make mana. Man. And so I guess gaining life makes sense. So I was thinking yeah. about it from a, from a strictly mechanical sense. It's like gaining life doesn't seem that exciting. Why was that the, ch- Oh, it's food. Okay. I, food. I get it. Yes. All right. So now, uh, we're going to get into so those are the new mechanics the there are a few other returning themes as it were uh, things that things that have actually come up before uh there is hybrid mana is back uh i think we've covered that in several several episodes before uh there is uh lands non basic lands that have a basic land type so, like a card like Mystic Sanctuary is a non-basic land, but it is a land island. Um, Woohoo! And yeah, and so those are those are just things that we've we've seen before. So uh, let's let's talk about things that we haven't seen before, which is some of the new cards, which are beautiful and flavorful, and yep. Also, do you want include Smash Mouth references? Uh, do they? So. All that glitters, yeah. Which isn't inherently a Smash Mouth reference, but it is a line in All Star, and also it... the first card that we're going to talk about. Um, so all that glitters uh, is an encha- is an aura, an enchantment uh, for one and white. It uh, is an enchant creature that says enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact and or enchantment you control. Um, so. All that glitters is itself an enchantment, which means your enchanted creature will at least, at minimum, get plus one, plus one. Um, If you happen to have something that is an artifact enchantment, um, that will only get counted once, not twice, um, for the purpose of the bonus. Um, You... um, 
if there are auras that you control that are attached to permanents that you don't control, um, you control those for this. Um, so if, if I am enchanting my opponent's creature, as long as my enchantment is still on the battlefield enchanting their creature, I still control it, even though it's not attached to my own permanents. Um, so it's not it's not a card that's particularly complicated, but there's some things to keep in mind for the math. So the the next card is Arcane Signet. Um, it's two colorless mana for an artifact, a non food artifact. <laughs> um, it says tap, add one mana of any color. In your commander's color identity, and so you see this and go, "What?" Yeah, so so let's let's talk about this just for a second. So um, let's let's just establish that the color color identity of your commander uh, is set before the game begins, and it doesn't change, period, ever. Okay, so if you sit down with a red blue commander, your color identity is red blue. If your commander is colorless, this card isn't going to make any mana. Because it only produces colored mana. And then, if you don't have a commander, this ability produces no mana. So go, why okay, would well, I, why would I, why would this be here? Why, why would this be here? Why, this card does nothing. I get it in my sealed pool. This card does nothing. It's a, it's a blank. It's, it's, it's in the brawl deck. Which is the realization that I had after I was kind of angrily typing <laughs> notes for this. I was like, why? is this card it's it's got a throne of eldraine symbol it's in the set i don't understand is there something oh brawl deck (laughs) suddenly everything makes sense suddenly everything clicked into place and i felt a little stupid i was still a little angry but more at myself (laughs) for for being like why the why is this here (laughs) why is this awful card this makes no sense (laughs) it's just this does not make why would a wookie live on endor it's just undraftable wait yeah it it is um, you would like? Would you like to banish that card into Fable, Brian? Uh, I would. Uh, conveniently, the next card is called Banish into Fable. It is an instant that costs four white blue. Uh, that says when you cast this spell from your hand, copy it if you control an artifact. Then copy it if you control an enchantment. You choose new targets for the copies. Uh, and it says return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. You create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. Um, So something to keep in mind about um, how the the order in which this will resolve. um, Your triggered ability will go on the stack before anyone uh, receives priority after you cast it. So um, even if Banish into Fable ends up getting countered, so you, you put your Banish into Fable on the stack... Mm-hmm. then the triggers for your copies go on top of that. And they will resolve before Banish into Fable, the original one that you cast, will resolve. Um, so things can get a little tricky um, as far as your opponent determining where you're at in the casting and when they can counter it and if you're getting your copies... Um, so it only checks to see if you have artifacts or enchantments when the triggered ability is resolving. 
Um, so if you cast Banish into Fable and then you kind of wait around for a minute and they're like, okay, uh, the first thing that resolves is the trigger trying to make copies and then your opponent's like, okay, where, wait, I wanted to bounce this and where are we now? Um, so just be careful with your communication about your trigger and what you're trying to do. Right. If you, if you try and, if you try and trick them out where you're just like, you're casting it, but you don't have, uh, an artifact uh, or an enchantment or somehow you want to flash out wanna... one of those fancy artifact enchantments. <laughs> um, right. Uh-huh. You cast you cast Banish into Fable and you look at the opponent and if they go okay, well, Banish into Fable is going to start resolving and you missed your opportunity to flash out your fancy uh, artifact enchantment. Got him. You got yourself. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you can be trying to punk your opponent with it and you may accidentally punk yourself with it. Um, so you may miss your own window, as it were. Um, if, uh, unlike um, with our friend All That Glitters, if you control one permanent that is both an artifact and an enchantment, um, you will copy Banish into Fable twice because just of the wording on it. Like So with this one, it says, when you cast it, copy it if you control an artifact. Okay, so we check to see if you have an artifact. There it is. Then copy it if you control an enchantment. Oh, yep, I have an enchantment. There it is. It doesn't care if um, there are, if it's the same permanent. Um, if, uh, so you, you make your copies, um, and... You put them on the stack and you choose new targets. I'm going to bounce this creature and this creature and this creature. I've gotten my full value off of Banish into Fable. Um, If any of those targets um, are illegal when any of the copies or the original spell resolve or go to try to resolve, um, it won't. As we, as we previously discussed, um, if now, each individual one can still resolve if they still have a legal target, but I'm not going to get mighty my all of my knights if if I don't have all of my legal targets. So yeah, targeting the same non-land permanent all three times is bad. It's probably not a strong choice. Do you know what is a strong choice? What is a strong choice? The bartered cow. <laughs> okay. Now... I just, the rules-wise, this card is not complicated, but I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, the, the, the absolute flavor win and favor flail fail of this card. It's For also a, a flavor one, flail. Flavor flail. Um, he, uh, uh, that's a new show on VH1. Flavor uh, of love. Yes, flavor flail. Um, it's three and a white for a 3-3 three, three bartered cow. That has the that uh, says when bartered cow dies or when you discard it, create a food token. Uh huh. It's looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. It's it's a really it's very flavorfully interesting. Yep. Yeah. Uh. So that's uh, now the and then the flavor text <laughs> the, the... at the at the market. No one heeded Hilda's frantic mooing. Aww. 
this fake curse was turning out even worse than she had feared. This is she, just Hil- her life now. Hilda's gonna get eaten. Man. Now, he, here's, here's, the, here's the unforgivable part about this card. The creature type is creature ox. Not creature cow. Not even a cow at all. It's not a cow. The bartered cow is not a cow. It's an ox. Don't have and a cow, Brian. This is making me more upset than the fact that we have creature hounds instead of creature dogs. That's fair. Like, like why are why are cat soldiers and stuff like that cat soldiers? Like we we have Leonins. They're why cat can't soldiers. they just be their own thing? Why can't we have dog soldiers? Why can't we have cow soldiers? Jeez, that's terrifying. I know exactly why we can't have cow soldiers. Why can't we have cow soldiers? Because they sound very bad. I think a cow soldier sounds absolutely amazing. It would be beautiful. I would instead like to posit that they could get crushed by a bone crusher giant. Fine. (laughs) That they could. (laughs) Fine. Okay. No, no, I want to rant more about yeah, how tell, tell me, a... Tell me more about cows and cow soldiers, Brian. Uh, I, I got nothing. Okay. Okay, you got me. Do you want me to talk about this big, big giant man now? Um, yes, please. <laughs> all right, all right. So, um, I'm not really, not, I'm mostly not here to talk about Bone Crusher Giant, though, uh... Something that is relevant about Bone Crusher Giant, uh, it has an ability that says, uh, when Bone Crusher... I can't say the word anymore, it's lost all meaning. Whenever Bone Crusher Giant becomes the target of a spell, Bone Crusher Giant deals two damage to that spell's controller. Um, As a small heads up about that, um, that ability will resolve before the spell that you cast that triggered the ability. Um, Just to be mindful of what's going to happen first um and will also resolve even if the spell that triggered it was countered um what i'm really here to talk about is the adventure that bone crusher giant is going on um that is called what adventure is bone crusher giant (laughs) what adventure would a bone crusher giant go on (laughs) well uh the adventure is called stomp how eloquent um Hmm. stomp is an instant adventure for one and red that says damage can't be prevented this turn. Stomp deals two two damage to any target. Um, So the, as far as damage can't be prevented this turn, um, that only stops damage from being prevented by effects that specifically say prevent and use the word prevent. Um, there, um, and included in that is protection, um, part of which is preventing damage from being dealt by things of the affected type, like protection from red, um, can't be dealt damage by red sources. Um, however, um, so, so that... If something has protection from red, and then you you bolt it and you cast stomp, that um, damage is still going to get dealt. Um, however, any other parts of protection will will still be 
will still function. Um, and as, as with every other thing we've discussed, if your target for stomp <laughs> is illegal, when stomp go, goes to resolve, it's not going to resolve. Um, and that also means that the damage can't be prevented this turn also does not happen. So be mindful of if that target is still there. Stomp doesn't seem much like an adventure. It seems more like a like a staycation or something like that. <laughs> it just seems like going to work. It just, right. It's just... It's just waking <laughs> up and going about your day-to-day. It just stomps all the way, does the punch card, you know, clocks in. You all stomped right. in two minutes late today, Frederick. Oh, no. I'm, I've been docked my stomping pay. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we're going to move on okay. to a much classier friend. So the, the the next card is uh Chulane or Chalani or Chu I don't know. Ch- uh, Chobani yogurt. Chup- Chupacabra teller <laughs> of tales. Um it is uh two green blue white. I did that out of order for a two four <laughs> legendary creature human druid with vigilance. So whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. Then you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. And you, or you can spend, or and you can spend three and tap, return target creature you control to its owner's hand. Uh, that second ability uh, that says uh, whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card, then put a card, put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. That happens before the creature spell resolves. Okay, and putting the land onto the battlefield that doesn't count as your land for turn. And if you can somehow cast a creature during your opponent's turn. Uh, you're still going to get to put a land on the battlefield, even on your opponent's turn. Uh, casting an adventurer card as its adventure, so casting uh, uh, Stompy up there uh, <laughs> as Stomp, uh, Bonecrusher Giant casting Stomp. Uh, that's not casting a creature spell. You're casting a Stomp spell. So you're not going to get that ability. Okay. Yeah. Not, so I got. Tulane here is not telling the tales of Stomp, but it will tell the no. tales of Bone Crusher Giant. Yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> Next we have Clack Bridge Troll, which is the story. What's the actual story with the three, the go- three Billy Goats? Gruff. The goats crossing the bridge. Three Billy Goats Gruff. Yeah, there's a troll under the bridge. And yeah. Brian has put in the show notes here, clapback troll with a question mark. Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't know that this this troll is witty enough for any sort of clapback. Uh, have you have you talked to him? Because <laughs> they're quite a they're quite a conversationalist. Pretty witty. All right. So what Clackbridge troll has to say to me here is that they're an eight eight. For three black black, they're a troll with trample and haste. And also, uh, when Clackbridge troll enters the battlefield, target opponent creates three O one white goat creature tokens. Man, this creature can't be good. It gives my opponent goats. Uh, then at the beginning of combat on your turn, goats are overpowered. Uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, any player may sacrifice a creature. If a player does, tap Clackbridge troll. You gain three life, and you draw a card. See, no, it can't be good. I'm giving my opponents overpowered goats. 
Yeah, those those goats they get to they get to prevent an eight eight trample haster from attacking. <laughs> Too strong. Yeah, but you, you need three. This card's just hilarious. Those goats are pretty adorable too. I really like that. Um, it's 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 mechanically and flavor wise, like you you that troll is eating those goats, and the goats are food, and you're gaining three life. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, so actually relevant pieces of text about this card. Um, so as far as um, any opponent may sacrifice a creature, and then if they do, you tap it, you gain three life, and you draw a card. Um, if somebody happens to sacrifice a creature for some other reason, um, that that does not tap your troll, that doesn't gain you three life, he doesn't draw a card, you only do that when the creature is sacrificed as part of that at the beginning of your combat. Um, now, uh, if you're playing a in a multiplayer game, um, you will go in turn order to decide who's going to sacrifice what. Um, each, pl- each opponent uh, can sacrifice a creature uh, and will know the choices made by the people who went before them. Um, now, even if I, let's say I'm playing against Brian and two other schmucks Mm -hmm. and Brian and both these other schmucks want to sacrifice their creatures for whatever reason, that's cool. That's fine with me. They can do that. Um, however, I, it's not going to gain me three life and draw me three or gain me nine life and draw me nine card or nine cards. Draw me three cards. Um, I'm still only gaining three life and drawing one card total. Wolf. But (laughs) you know, those goats were sacrificed in vain. No, or those creatures, whatever those creatures may be. I'm sure they had a purpose. Yeah. That's, that's, this is an EDH question where someone can use, Clap, ba- clap, clap, clack bridge, <laughs> clap trap clack troll, tro- clap trap troll. For anyone else who's playing Borderlands Three right now, yeah, uh, is that a good game? Oh, it's so good, Ryan. Okay, we'll talk after. <laughs> um, yeah, it's so so. If you happen to have a creature that you really want to get rid of, and someone to your right has already sacrificed their goat, then you can sacrifice. You know, you can get in on that action, sacrifice your troublesome card as well and not have to worry because they already paid the goat tax (laughs) they already paid the goat tax you can sacrifice things as you see fit so the next card is covetous urge i love the art on this card the hand looks really good so spooky Um, it it is and i think the guy's got his back to the it's coming out his back yeah so so anyway, it's uh it's four blue black hybrid mana. Um that's a, it's a sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from that player's hand graveyard graveyard <laughs> or hand. Oh, got me. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from that player's graveyard or hand and exile it. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So, um, 
the first thing it says, you may you may spend mana of any color, so you're not getting them adamant bonuses unless you actually spend the 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 blue mana or the red mana or whatever. The actual colors that yep. the adamant cares about. Yep. If you cast the adventure, if you cast an adventure card with Covetous Urge, you, uh, not the card's owner, can cast that creature later. So you are the controller of the adventure. When it resolves, it's going to go into exile, and then you can cast it as a creature later. So you really want to Covetous Urge some adventures. <laughs> Adventurers. Yes, uh, covetous urge does. Uh, covetous urges effect does not change the timing of when you can cast the exile card. So you can still only cast creatures during your main phase when the stack is empty. Uh, casting an exiled card causes it to leave exile. You can't cast it multiple times. And when you cast it, you take it out of exile. You put it on the stack, and it ain't going back unless it's an adventure, and then it goes back. <laughs> and then it. And then it. Yeah, it never goes back unless it does. Except unless it does. We don't talk which about is kind that. of which is kind of one of the rules of magic, right? This thing will never happen except when it does. <laughs> we don't we don't talk about that though. Yeah, we don't talk about those. Uh the well we were we were told that it works one way and Told us our doom. Uh, next card is Doom Foretold. Great segue. <laughs> really did it. Uh, really, really did a good job with that one. Um, oh, you're doing terrific. <laughs> um, <laughs> great, great job. You're doing terrific. Thanks. Uh, so Doom Foretold is an enchantment for two white black that says, At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a non-land, non-token permanent. If that player can't, they discard a card, they lose two life, you draw a card, you gain two life, you create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, then you sacrifice Doom Foretold. Where's the and a partridge in a pear tree on this There's so card. much. You get everything. And I, I, like, I like this card in that it's, it's some inevitability, like... Well, it's just it's just here waiting for you. It's you're gonna suffer every turn. Um, but this is also the kind of card that I hate to play and play against. Um, but along with that wall of text, um, things to know about it: uh, if Doom Foretold um, leaves the battlefield or uh, changes control um, while the ability is on the stack. Um, the trigger will still happen. Um, as for for the most part, it will still happen as written. Um, just when you hit the end, um, it says, then you sacrifice doom foretold. You can't because it's either not there or you don't control it to be able to sacrifice it. Um, if a player cannot sacrifice a permanent uh, and they also cannot discard a card, um, they still lose two life and then everything else happens. <laughs> um, you can't choose to not sacrifice something. So if, let's say... 
Um, Brian and I are playing, and I control Doom Foretold, um, and I want to choose to not sacrifice a permanent, um, to just make all the Doom Foretold things happen all at once right now. I can't, I can't do that. I can't, I can't choose to just get it out of the way. All right. Um, however, I suppose I can choose to sacrifice Doom Foretold to its own ability? That's a choice yeah. I could make. Yeah. <laughs> so, sounds like you're you're able to foretell that pretty good. Then. Yeah, I'm really, it's just a prophecy. Um, ooh, when we, in Two-Headed Giant, gotta have our Two-Headed Giant rules, um, Doom Foretold uh, will trigger twice during each team's upkeep. Um, and in any order that you would like for them to have to sacrifice. Well, the controller would like to have them sacrifice, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, so I think this card is mostly straightforward as long as you just... Follow it like a flowchart. <laughs> Which, it's hard, like, I, there's so many cards that I wish you could just write out as a flowchart. You know what I mean? Like, everyone mm-hmm. talks about Chains of Mephistopheles, and yep. you just you just flowchart it, and it makes so much more sense. Uh, yeah, that that altar that's, that's made up to look like a flowchart, so it's, much easier to understand than the actual text of the card. Way easier than just reading the card. Uh, right. Um... Do you want to talk about my new best friend? Uh, you mean this uh, watery tart? I do. Handing out swords. Okay. It's a good form of choosing a leader. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> this is Emery, Lurker of the Lock. Uh, for two and a blue, one, two. Uh, legendary creature, Merfolk Wizard. This spell costs one less to cast for each artifact you control. It's, it's got affinity for artifacts. Uh-huh. Um, when Emery, Lurker of the Lock, uh, uh, extends a uh, held awful Excalibur from the bosom of the water. No. Uh, when Emery, Lurker of the Lock, enters the battlefield, put the top four cards of your library into your graveyard. And then tap. You can choose an artifact card in your graveyard. Choose target artifact card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. So first off, let's talk about uh, when casting a spell, uh, you are actually going to determine the final cost of the spell before you activate mana abilities. So you might have some artifacts that you can sacrifice for mana. So they will actually reduce the mana cost for Emery before you pay the before you pay the cost. So. Um, you can reduce the cost by having the artifact, then tap and sack it for like one or two mana, and then use it to pay the reduced cost, even though it's not on the battlefield anymore. Value. Yep. Um, cost reduction only applies to the generic mana cost. Colored mana must still be paid. Um, once the spell is announced, opponents can't destroy an artifact to try and make it cost more. Because uh, once once it's once it's announced, you go through the steps of casting the spell, and the opponent doesn't get priority until it happens. You know, until the spell's done casting. Um, 
If Emery's last ability, uh, the tap choose target artifact card in your graveyard, you may cast that card. If you tap it and target an artifact land, you know, because you're playing some sort of weird... Um, well, <laughs> that weird. There's there's um, things that play artifact yeah, lands. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, if it targets an artifact land, you can't play it. Okay, because the, the ability actually says you can cast the card. Well, you can't cast a land. You can play a land, and it doesn't say you can play it. It just says cast, so womp womp. Uh, the last ability doesn't change any timing restrictions, so it's it's you may cast the card this turn. Cool. If you activate it um, on your opponent's turn, unless you got something letting you, you, letting you cast artifacts at instant speed... Uh, You're out of luck. Sense. Yep, and then you still got to pay all the costs for the spells that you cast that way. It does not That's save it. for free. It is right. Um, it even says you still pay its costs. You do. You do. Um, you know, and paying its... And the cost comes... Uh, is derived from a mandate from the masses, not some farcical aquatical ceremony. Brian, is that... Did you look up the lines, or do you just know that bit that well? I... So this is this is a little a little aside about me. Um, there was this is back in Betamax days. Uh, there was one spring spring break uh, from school in uh, in high school where I had nothing to do. All that I had, we went to the the grocery store and rented a videotape of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'd never seen it before, and we only had channels two through thirteen back then because this is the old days and we had a Betamax. The only thing I had to do for an entire week was to watch this movie. I watched it a lot because I had nothing else to do. (laughs) So I think I probably have about 70% of this movie just lurking in the back of my head somewhere at any given point in time. Just, Just living there under the surface? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's like every everything is kind of divided up into Monty Python quotes and not Monty Python quotes. Is Faberro Elder a Monty Python quote? I don't believe so. Well, it is a magic card uh, oh, that I'm going to tell you about. <laughs> it's uh, a creature uh, that costs one green-white and is a 0-0. Zero, zero. But why is it a 0-0, zero, zero, you ask? Um Fabro Elder gets plus one plus one for each creature for each like, each creature each color among permanents you control. Um, so um, it also has a sweet tap ability for each color among permanents you control. Add one mana of that color. So uh, things to note: uh, the most the biggest it can get from that ability is a uh, plus five plus five. And because it itself is both green and white, it will give itself plus two, plus two. So it's not just going to somehow enter the battlefield, go, oh, there's there's no colored permanence here. See ya. It, it, it does see itself. Um, also, things to note, um, colorless is not a color. Uh, if you have colorless permanents, those do not count for either the plus one plus one or for adding your mana. But I really like this card. This card's definitely my jam. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, so the next card is Fires of Invention. This is a 
three and a red for an enchantment. You know that every set's got to have a wacky red enchantment. Uh-huh. Um, it's the rules. And this one's this is pretty wacky. Um, you can cast you can cast spells only during your turn, and you can cast no more than two spells each turn. You got to cap. Uh huh. And then and then it says you may cast spells with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of lands you control without paying their mana costs. This card's All so right. neat. Okay. So, if an effect allows or instructs you to cast a spell during another... So, if you've got this out, a spell or effect allows or instructs you to cast a spell during another player's turn, you can't do it. Because can't trumps can. Uh, and this is the same with the third spell in your turn. If something allows you or instructs you to cast this, the third spell, something that will be the third spell, you can't do it. Um, you can't get around it by, like, while the second spell is on the stack, I cast a third spell. Can't do that either. Um, Fires of Invention doesn't doesn't impact playing lands. It doesn't impact uh, activating abilities. Fires of Invention also looks at the entire turn when you cast it. So if you cast... If Fires of Invention is, like, your fifth spell that turn, sure, you can cast it. You just can't cast any more spells that turn. Um, now, uh, it's a, uh, you may choose to pay the mana costs or alternative costs for spells that you cast, even if their converted mana cost is less than or equal to the number of lands you control. So this, so you're only allowed to cast two spells per turn. This says you may cast spells with converted mana costs less than, uh, the number of lands in your hand without paying the mana costs. It's just saying you may. Okay, you don't have to if you don't want to. Like for the adamant stuff, uh, you can do that. Um, if you choose the cast without paying its mana cost, you can't choose to cast it for any other alternative cost. Uh, if you cast a spell, you know, not paying its cost and it's got an X in the mana cost, X is going to be zero. The obligatory X equals zero. The obligatory, thing. yep. Uh, and then this one. Hopefully, casting the same card twice in a turn is still casting something twice. Is casting spells twice. It does not look at it and say, oh, that was only one spell. Yup. Even if it's the same card or the same card name, it's still two separate spells. Yup, yup. Ah, uh, can we just move on to my beautiful, flavorful win friend here? Yes, you can. Frogify. <laughs> All right, it's a beautiful frog getting with a crown it's gorgeous it's an enchantment aura it's an enchant creature uh that says enchanted creature loses all abilities and is a blue frog creature with base power and toughness one one um oh man i love this card i love the flavor i love everything about it um so uh i think these are things we generally go over Whenever we talk about setting power and toughness or or losing all abilities and things like that. Um, if a creature gains an ability after it's already been frogified, after frogify, frogify is already enchanted on it, um, that ability isn't removed. Um, but all the ones that were there previously are. Um, frogify will overwrite all colors and creature types. Um when it says, is a blue frog creature, um, it is a blue frog creature. It's not a blue, white frog spirit. 
or whatever. It's 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 a frog. Um, it will keep super types, um, but lose its all as all of its other types. It also overwrites any previous um, power and toughness setting effects. So if you've said something that, if you had previously had something on it that says it's a base power and toughness five five or something like that, um, it's it's a one one now. Uh, however, anything that will that has given it plus x plus x or minus x minus x. Um, just because of the, the order of how we determine, um, power and toughness, those apply separately and later. So we set it to a one, one, and then we can still add plus three, plus three, or minus two, minus two and kill the dang thing. Um, it can, Frogify can also enchant something that is, only temporarily a creature. So like um, creature lands or crude vehicles. Um, if if that is what you have chosen to enchant. Um, if it, it's it, it's a frog now. <laughs> it's it's is frog. It's still a frog when it's done being animated, which I love. I have a frog car. <laughs> no, it's just a frog. Uh, it's not a frog I car know. anymore. So here, here's a crazy thing. Um, so there is a another card called Turn to Frog. Uh-huh. That says, until end of turn... Uh, let me get the, the exact oracle text on this. Until end of turn, target creature loses all abilities and becomes a blue frog with base power and toughness of 1-1. One, one. Okay. This this card Frogify says loses all abilities and is in a, and is a blue frog creature with base power and toughness one one. This is this is where being a rules nerd comes in <laughs> comes in really. There's something kind of subtle here. So turn to frog where it just says hey it becomes a blue frog. Okay, that means because it's a it's a creature it's going to replace the subtype with frog. Right. So if I had a ginger brute, yep, which is a artifact creature food um, golem. golem. Yep. If I cast turn to frog on it, it would be an artifact creature food frog. <laughs> okay. But frogify says becomes a blue frog creature, which is changing both the subtype and the type. So Ginger Brute would actually stop being an artifact. And is just a creature. And is just a creature. And you would just have creature frog. Not food not, anymore. It's not food anymore. I love that. So there you go. There's your there's your, there's your super nerdy uh uh the the two effects that turn things into frogs. One being more powerful than the other. Well yeah, well I mean I mean clearly they're putting a crown on the frog in the art. So clearly, this has to be the more powerful card. Clearly, um, but no, I, I don't. Th- I don't think that is. Uh, you phrased that as though you felt like you were splitting hairs or something, but I know I think that's definitely relevant because it shows how changing your phrasing slightly for a similar effect can actually make a a different card. Yeah. Um. One more thing to say about Frogify. 
Um, if, let's say, I steal Brian's raddest creature and I make it a frog, um, but and it and it's it's already taken one damage, um, and then I make it a frog. Uh, well, it's a one-one now, and it has one damage marked on it still. It's it's a dead frog, so it's it's only a frog briefly. Uh, All right. Yeah, love love the frogify. Uh, so the the next card's a little weird, and I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time talking about it. But it's it's called Gaddock the Wizened. Uh, it's X blue blue blue, uh, for human wizard does a bunch of stuff. But what it, what's kind of weird is it says. When Gaddock the Wizen enters the battlefield, draw X cards. Uh-huh. Well, the reason why that's kind of weird is, well, X is zero everywhere but the stack. So, and this is a triggered ability while it's on the battlefield. So, clearly they want X to, to from the mana cost. Remember the, to remember what you paid. Right. So... The way it's written, I don't think this card works with the rules that we've seen. So, they and, and I think Eli's gone on, Eli Schifrin, the, the rules manager for Watsi, has basically come in and been like, you guys think that we'd print a card where the rules wouldn't work? The rules change is coming. I'm like, oh, okay. Is it, so, he asked this question, and how many people said, yeah, we do think you would do that? Uh, Some number, I'm sure. Some some number probably, but uh, I was not one of them. So so, yeah, yeah, yeah there's going to be a rules change. We don't know exactly what it is, but just a, you know the exact wording, but probably something that will let it see what the X value is, and then there we go. I'm really curious. We'll just be able to go on our happy merry way and live happily ever after. Ooh, happily ever after, which has really beautiful art and so much text on it. <laughs> um, so happily ever after is an enchantment for two and white that says when happily ever after enters the battlefield, each player gains five life and draws a card at the beginning of your upkeep. If there are five colors among permanents you control, there are, oh, sorry, I'm going to, I'm just going to point out the commas in this sentence at the beginning of your upkeep, comma, if there are five colors among permanents you control, comma. There are six or more card types among permanents you control and or cards in your graveyard, comma, and your life total is greater than or equal to your starting life total, comma, comma. you win the game. <laughs> They're all relevant commas. <laughs> um, so, yeah. um, things to say about happily ever after. Um, that first basic thing. The, that first uh, triggered ability, um, the uh, in two at a giant, it will cause each team to gain five life twice. Sweet. Um, cool. It is affecting each player, and each player is separate, and so we gain lots of life. Now, the second ability is a big, angry... Intervening if clause, <laughs> which means that it both checks if those things are true when it would be put on the stack and when it goes to resolve. So before this trigger would ever 
would 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 ever go on the stack we 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 do check okay are all of these ridiculous conditions met yes put that on the stack now while it's on the stack you have a chance to respond so let's say brian wants to deal damage to me such that my life total isn't greater than or equal to my starting life total while it's on the stack he can do that um and then my my trigger will not resolve, and I will not win the game, and I'll be very sad. Um, related to that, um, because that trigger happens um, during your upkeep, um, you there is no window to respond before the trigger would be put on the stack during your upkeep, but you can still yeah. respond to the trigger on the stack. To try to make the, to try to change those conditions mm-hmm. if you if you want. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> in determining um, if you have five colors among permanents you control, you can have a single permanent that's all five colors, or you can have five separate permanents that are each one color. Um, a few other things to note in checking that. Uh, lands are typically colorless unless something is making them colored permanents in some way or there's otherwise something weird going on with them. Uh, card types in looking at uh, if there are six or more card types among your permanents. Uh, we're not talking about super types or subtypes. Uh, I'm not looking at food or legendary I'm looking at actual just card types. Um, okay. And additionally, when checking uh, your various characteristics for this, we are ignoring the alternative characteristics of our adventurer cards. So we're just looking at creatures on the battlefield as they exist there. Whew. All right. So the, the next card is... I'm going to say it's probably my least favorite artwork in the set so far. I really like it, but it's horrifying. Do you? It it feels like like the cover of like some weird, like straight to Kendall pulp book. I, I think it looks like what you would see in a waiting room at an 80s dentist office. An 80s dentist office? Yeah. I don't know. It's It's huh. spooky and I like it. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so the card is Hushbringer. Uh, it is one and a white for a one-two flying lifelink uh, creature. Creature fairy. Uh, creatures entering the battlefield or dying don't cause abilities to trigger. Whoa, uh-huh. Okay, so <laughs> there's a lot, one, a lot to unpack there. Yeah, that's a simple little sentence that that means a lot. Mm-hmm. Boy, I I hate the fact that they've started doing this card, this type of card, more often. Okay, it's, it's, yeah, it's so very Hush- common these days. Hush, well, no, it's a rare card. Brian. Ba-dum-bum. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're an hour in, and we, <laughs> we're not even halfway done. Uh, Hushbringer affects a creature's own triggered abilities, as well as the other triggered abilities that trigger when the trigger triggers triggers. No. Hushbringer's, <laughs> Hushbringer's effect, uh, Hushbringer affects a creature's own triggered ability. So if something enters the battlefield and says, when I enter the battlefield, do X... Nope, that's gonna be that's 
not going to happen. As well as other triggered abilities that trigger whenever a creature ETBs enters the battlefield or dies. So your, um, uh, you know, whenever a creature enters the battlefield, gain one life. Okay, that's, and then the creature enters the battlefield. That's not going to happen. Um, replacement effects, things that say, like, as this enters the battlefield, uh, those are unaffected by Hushbringer. Okay. <laughs> now we start getting into the weird stuff. Uh-huh. A triggered event doesn't have to specifically refer to creatures. For example, um, if I have something that says, whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard, gain a life, or whenever an artifact goes to the graveyard, make like a 1-1 Thopter token or whatever, and an artifact creature is put into the graveyard, well, that's that was a creature. And even though the trigger triggers off of artifacts... The creature going to the graveyard, uh, yeah, Hushbringer says the, those, the creature dying doesn't cause abilities to trigger. So the the ability that lets you, you know, seize an artifact going to the graveyard, it's not going to trigger. Oof. Um, <laughs> right. Oof. Oof indeed. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, all right, so the next thing is an ability that triggers on a card leaving a zone. Okay. Um, such as uh, uh, Sir Conrad the Grim. Which is part of a, um, of a cycle of cool cards. Yeah, actually, so I'm referencing that card. Let me get, let me get Sir Conrad up so I can just read what he does. All right, so Sir Conrad has an ability that says whenever another creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield or a creature leave uh, or a creature card leaves your graveyard sir conrad the grim deals one damage uh, to each opponent now the, the part here is that that we care about is a little unintuitive it says or a creature card leaves your graveyard so i have a creature card in my graveyard okay uh, so uh-huh. yeah so if you're gonna love this, if the card, like the the card that's leaving the graveyard for Sir Conrad's ability, is going to the battlefield, it entered the battlefield, and 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 that's what caused the ability to trigger. It wouldn't trigger. So it wouldn't. Right, because it's a creature entering the battlefield is causing the ability to trigger. And you go like, oh well, no, no, no. It actually, it, it's it was leaving it's, it's the, the graveyard leaving that caused thing. it to trigger. Yeah, but it's it left to go to the battlefield, so it entered the battlefield. Oh, that that's the weird part with this card. Okay, so um, to to determine if this if this thing uh, applies, Hushbringer applies. You want to look at the permanent that exists on the battlefield, taking into account continuous effects to determine if any triggered abilities would happen that need to be stopped by Hushbringer. Uh, for example, if a land becomes a creature and dies, um, anything that would trigger off that death isn't going to trigger, even though it was uh, a, a land. It, 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 it had an animation effect. Um, it, it was a creature. Yeah. Uh, now, now here's the the weird one. Um, so we so we say like, okay. Well, that's if it if it dies. Well, what if it goes to the graveyard from anywhere? How does that work? If the if the card dies, 
and goes to the graveyard, and we have a trigger that says whenever a card goes to the graveyard from anywhere, do X. Does Hushbringer interact with that? And the answer is maybe... Sometimes? Sometimes. Need that little Chains of Mephistopheles flowchart out here mm-hmm. now. Um, so if an ability that triggers when a card is put into the graveyard from anywhere, it may or may not trigger even if the, cre- if, if the creature died, if it, went to, if it went to the graveyard. So it will trigger these from anywhere triggers. It will only trigger when at the time the creature was put into the graveyard from anywhere that um, if Hushbringer, uh, so it's only going to trigger if Hushbringer is the card being put in the graveyard, so it's off the battlefield, so its ability is no longer on the battlefield, or if Hushbringer leaves the battlefield at the same time as the creature that died. Blah. So yep. if you have if you have Hushbringer on the battlefield, a creature, uh, another creature, a bear cub out on the battlefield, and bear cub dies, and then you have a third card that says, "Hey, whenever a card goes to the uh, a card goes to the graveyard from anywhere," um, you go like, "Okay, well, it's it's triggering from the graveyard, eh." Yeah, but it's still the dying that caused the ability, so you're not going to get the trigger. But if Hushbringer and Bear Cub go to the graveyard at the same time, you are going to get the trigger from this third card. This is and so much. Yeah, I just, this is one of those things that's like a podcast just doesn't do it. I need to be like that guy with the board and all the, the, the For, strings oh, from, and pins. From and It's stuff Always like Sunny that. with the, yeah. the meme. Yeah. Yes, the meme. Of just it's, laying it's, out everything tied together behind him. Right. It was it's going over this card was quite a feat. A feat, huh? Yeah. What, is it an iron crag feat? No. So I don't know but yes. if it's actually iron crag. Is iron I R E N crag a place? Probably. Um I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh so Iron Crag Feet is a sorcery for one red, red, red that says add seven red mana. You can cast only one more spell this turn. Uh, this is neat. So it Iron Crag Feet does not care how many spells you have cast previously. You can cast all the spells you want before this. Um, however, after you cast Iron Crag Feet, you can only play one more. And what I mean by that is that it's really one more. If there's something that else that tells you <laughs> to, to if your one more spell is something that lets you cast another spell, you can't cast it. Um, you can copy things, um, but you can't cast any more spells. Um, now, And it also does not let you cast something else you normally couldn't cast for some reason. Um, And uh, while you may not be able to cast any more spells, you can still feel free to play a land or activate any abilities. So you can use that mana for some sort of activated ability, maybe. Um, But for really real, only one more spell. One more spell. So so make that if you're if you're storming off, make this the last one. Yep. Yep. Uh, the last one before the storm spell. Right. Huh. All right. So oh, we got Nessie. Oh. <laughs> oh. The the Lockmere serpent. 
Yes, we know. We know what you. We are. see you. We know what you are. We we know that you're just a garbage bag and some sticks floating out on the surface. It's a garbage bag and sticks with a lot of abilities. It it is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so so for four blue black, it is a creature. It is a seven seven creature serpent with flash. For a blue sac blue sacrifice an island. Lockmere serpent can't be blocked this turn. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk right. I'm going to talk about that ability before we go into the other ones. So it says sacrifice an island. An island is a land with the subtype island. Um, not a land that can produce blue mana. Not all lands that produce blue mana are islands. But funny enough, there's some cards in this set. There's a non there's a non basic island in this set that you could sacrifice to Lockmere Serpent. Now here's something that's actually kind of funny. Um. If I have a card named Island, okay, and it has a type Island, it makes blue mana, and I can do some stuff to change its type, so I could have an Island with a type of Mountain. So card <laughs> named Island. The type is Mountain. I can't sacrifice that to Lockmere Serpent because it's it's an Island, but it's not an it Island. Is, it it's is looking mountain. for the type Island, not the name Island. The, yes, yes. All right, and then that. Ability where it says, you know, sacrifice the island, lock mirror, serpent can't be blocked this turn. You gotta activate that ability before blockers are declared. Because if blockers are declared, it's a little too late. Yeah, it's it's not accomplishing what you want. Yep, so it's got another ability, black, sacrifice a swamp. Uh, everything I said about islands applies to swamps. Um, you sacrifice the swamp, gain one life, draw one card. Okay, cool. Um, and then the last ability is for blue and a black... You know, you can exile five target cards from an opponent's library, return Lockmere Serpent from your graveyard to your hand, activate this ability only any time you can cast Sorcery. Uh, that last ability can't be activated without five targets in a single opponent's graveyard. And uh, you got to remove... Uh, if Brogan activates that, targets all five cards in my library or my graveyard, and I really don't want Nessie coming for me, I got to remove all five of those cards from my graveyard before this ability resolves. I got to find some way to get them out of my graveyard because the only way that ability is going to get uh, uh, fail to resolve is if I can get rid of all five targets. If I only get rid of one or two, it's still coming for me. As long as I still have a legal target, I'm good to go. Yup. All right. Oh, man. I love copy effects. Uh, so next week, that was such enthusiasm. Next week, I next we have mirror made. Not like, uh, like somebody who cleans your mirrors or something. That seems superfluous. I mean, like made of mirrors. Um, it is an enchantment for one blue blue that says you may have mirror made enter the battlefield as a copy of any artifact or enchantment on the battlefield. Um, so to talk a little bit about copies, um, it enters the battlefield as a copy of. Exactly what is printed on the thing that you're copying. Asterisks as modified by any other copy effects. Um, so it, there's this is something that comes up a lot. Just imagine you just have a, a printer that you've printed out another copy of, of your thing you're copying. Um, now, if you are looking at the 
the other characteristics of the thing you're copying. If the permanent that you have chosen to copy has X um, and its mana cost, that determines some sort of factor about what that permanent looks like. Um, X is zero. Um, if the permanent that you've chosen to copy is a token, um, it will copy the characteristics of the token as stated by whatever effect created the token. So, um, if I have a 2-2 knight token with vigilance, and Brian has turned it to frog, um, and I cop- no, wait, no, I can't copy a creature. Never mind. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of something else. <laughs> but basically, if- what do I- I'm trying to think of- like a food token. If I have a food token that has been turned- has been changed in some way, I'm- I'm copying the token as it was originally created- um, or can you think of any other examples of when that would be relevant uh, for so think, specifically for artifacts and enchantments? It's, it's a little harder. I think it's like if you if you somehow create like an artifact creature token that has and it says this this you know create a token and it has haste. Ah, yeah. Then then it would it would copy that. Um. So uh, it. Any abilities that say as this enters the battlefield on if, if if the thing you are choosing to copy has something that says as this enters the battlefield, um use you, you do get to to that does happen because it's a replacement effect. Um so you do get to make those choices or have that applied in, uh to your to whatever you're copying. Um, if you are copying an aura with Mirror Maid, you get to choose what you're enchanting, uh, just before it enters the battlefield. Uh, you cannot choose anything that is entering the battlefield at the same time as Mirror Maid. Um, it's a little weird because, um, it doesn't target like a normal aura would as you're putting it on the stack. <laughs> Um, so this is, I guess, is a spooky way to get aura, an aura on a shroud creature. Yeah. That's very weird. Yeah. Huh. Because it's, it's not illegal to have a, 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 an aura on a shroud creature. Yeah. So it's, it's still, it's still a legal target. Mm. Well, well, it's not a legal target. (laughs) It's still, it can still legally be attached. Right. We just can't ever target it, but the putting a enchantment on the battlefield <laughs> as opposed to casting it and then, allows us to skirt around the target rules. That's so weird. Um but Isn't it, cool, it makes sense, yeah. Um and uh so if you have if there's nothing legally that you uh could enchant um with your weird mirror made aura uh, it, uh, chills on the stack and then is put in the graveyard. Yeah. As part- Why'd you cast it? <laughs> as, when you check state-based actions. Um, you cast yeah. it to 
Storm count. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, let's talk about this, Oko, Thief of This Christ. very cool elf friend. Yeah, but we're talking about the the not the other one. We're not talking about the other um, one. We're not talking about the other one. Uh, uh, so for one green and a blue, uh, this is a legendary planeswalker, Oko, uh, which I kind of want to call him Orko. Why Orko? Um, well, because that was that was the the character from He Man, the little wizard guy. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I just uh, Oko seems like a. a it's not a, a word that I've, you know. It anyway. doesn't. It doesn't seem to flow. It doesn't. Oko. Oko doesn't floco. Very nice. But Orko does co. I don't. know. Some Brian, how about it. you tell me about okay. the card? All right. So <laughs> it's got a plus two ability. This is create a food token. Seems okay. It's got a plus one ability that says target artifact creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness of three three. We kind of went over this in Frogify. Like, so all the same stuff here applies, only instead of blue frog creature and 1-1, one, one, it's green elk creature and 3-3. Three, three. Uh, this ability does not end at the end of turn. Um, and uh, it's the ability, uh, that ability can target something that's only temporarily an artifact or a creature. Um... The last ability is a minus five that says exchange control of target artifact or creature you control with target creature and opponent controls with power three or less. So you got two targets here. Um, if either target is illegal when this ability goes to resolve, the exchange isn't going to happen. Um, so while Oko might be a thief of crowns, the exchange ability, you got to leave something. I take a crown, I got to leave something. It's like the Indiana yeah. Jones, like you got to put something exactly. to you gotta swap it out exactly like that that's a very good analogy um now gaining control of a permanent doesn't cause you to gain control of any auras or equipment attached to it okay um additionally gaining control of an equipment doesn't cause it to become unattached right away to whatever creature it was attached to and that's oko it's a neat friend. I I like Oko. Um, I don't know any of the lore, so if Oko is secretly like a rude, rude friend, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I just think I like blue and green cards. What can I say? <laughs> um, the next card is called Outlaws Merriment, and I'm not even going to read all the text on the card. Uh, so it's an enchantment uh says at the beginning of your upkeep choose one at random uh create a red and white creature token with those characteristics and then lists off three potential neat tokens you could make um the relevant piece of weirdness with this um is as you put the triggered ability on the stack um you choose a mode at random and uh, players can respond to the ability and will know which kind of knowing which kind of token would be was randomly chosen. So if I want to respond in some way, knowing that you're going to get a two one human cleric with lifelink and haste, I 
I, I, I can make an informed decision. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right. The, the next, the next card is, I just saw this card and I think it's one of my favorites. I really set. like this card. The, the art on this thing, the name on this thing, the ability is all pretty baller. So the, the card is rankle master of pranks. Prankle. Uh, Prangle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. Wow. Um. So for two black black, uh, Rankle is a three three legendary creature fairy rogue with flying haste. Whenever Rankle, master of pranks, deals combat damage to a player, choose any number, and then it lists three abilities. Each player draws a card. Each player loses a life and draws a card. Each player sacrifices a creature. So you can, you can choose any, any number. So. So you can you can do one, two, or three of these those modes because that's that's three things listed, and this probably gets the 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 funny comment in the in the release notes award. Uh, the comment is: if you really want, you can choose zero modes for Rankle's triggered ability, but carefully consider the hidden costs in not entertaining someone titled Master of Pranks. Yeah, I love it. It's like you can't you can choose none, but do you really want to? Yeah. Come on. Why are you playing Rankle if you're not gonna if you're not gonna spin the not wheel? Not gonna indulge. Of... Right. Um you can okay, so you can't choose a mode more than once per trigger, so I can't it says any number I can't say I would like to have each player discard a card and I'd like to do that seven times. <laughs> seven's any That's number. any number. Can't do that. It is any number. Um, I can choose a mode even if some or all players will not be affected because um, it just says each player. Uh, for the first mode, which was each player discards a card, for the first mode, the first player whose turn it is chooses a card without revealing. So I got my seven cards. I'm going to pick one out. And I'm going to put it down. Here it is. And then everyone's going to go in order and pick their card. And then once everybody's done picking, you flip them over, you see what it all is, and you put it in the graveyard and you go on your merry way. For the third mode, each player sacrifices a creature. It's almost the same thing, but you're going to get to see what creature they chose to sacrifice. The only difference with the card being face down is because it's coming out of a hidden zone, and they're all actually discarded and sacrificed at the same time. Um, so, you know, like, since since they're all being done at the same time, you, you kind of got to keep that card information in the hand hidden. So anyway... But but you do get to know uh, the creatures because you you, you know what know creatures are on the battlefield. It's not like, yeah, that's it's not like your creatures are a secret. Yeah. Now, oh great, here's a comment. I love this. It says weird and two headed giants. So let's figure out how this is weird and two headed <laughs> giants. Oh, because it's each player, yep. so everything happens twice. Yep. It's not it's not okay. all that complicated in two headed giant, but it's worth keeping that in mind when it says each player discards card. You don't want to punk your friend. By making them right. discard their card, I just I just had this moment of panic where I was like, "Oh, how's it weird?" Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's okay. not that weird. Uh, All right, what's all up? right? Next, I have this weird upside down man named Robber of the Rich. Um, he is a human archer rogue. Um, the complicated piece of his, of his text box uh, says. Whenever Robber of the Rich attacks, if defending player has more cards in hand than you, exile the top card of their library. 
during any turn you attacked with a rogue, you may cast that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. <laughs> I love this card. All right. Um, so if a creature is attacking a planeswalker, um, so when it says uh, when he, when robber of the rich attacks, if defending player, blah, 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 uh, the controller of the planeswalker is the defending player. Um, again, we've got an intervening if, as far as um, if the um, player has more cards in hand than you. So when it attacks, it checks if that player has more cards in hand than you. Goes on the stack. Okay. Then it checks again when that ability goes to resolve if if that player has more, more cards than you. Um, but then for the purpose of casting that card later, um, even if you're casting it in later turns, it after that point, after it's already been locked in and you've got that card in exile and you know what's going on with it, um, it doesn't care if that player has more or fewer cards than you. Um, as long as you have attacked with a rogue that turn. Um, the exiled card is face up, so the opponent does know what card you have access to. Um, you can also cast those cards later, even if Robber of the Rich has left the battlefield, as long as you attacked with a rogue that turn. So while Robber of the Rich is itself a rogue, it doesn't care what kind of rogue. Um, you... <laughs> I thought this piece from the release notes was very interesting. Um, it says, right. you can cast the exiled card if the rogue that attacked is still in combat, if it's left combat, if it's left the battlefield, or even if the combat is over. And it's like, all I could think of was like, do you want them in a box with a <laughs> fox on, over, around, and under? Um, it was just, you could, it, it does not matter what state the attacking rogue is in at the point when you cast that spell. You can cast it here or there. You can cast it anywhere. Exactly. Um, so you, uh, because it says you may cast that card, um, it means you cannot play lands off of Robber of the Rich. So while it is good to own land, Robber of the Rich cannot own land, cannot steal land. Um, if you cast an adventure, oh, you know how we were talking about, uh, there was exactly one card that was relevant for? This is mm -hmm. also relevant. So if you, if you oh. cast an adventure with Robber of the Rich, you, the person who stole that card, can cast the creature later from exile, not the owner. Um, yeah, they should call this robber of the rich get richer. <laughs> um, any timing restrictions on the things that you are stealing will still apply. Um, if you are playing robber of the rich in multiplayer, um, if a player leaves the game, all the cards they own leave too. So if you've stolen their stuff and they and they leave the game, then you lose their stuff. Um, and if you leave the game, 
anything that you have stolen uh, will be exiled. That's that's a lot. I know. <laughs> it's it's really neat. Um, it is, and it, it it's a lot of words to kind of describe something that kind of like it's fairly intuitive text on a right if they put this text on a card that wasn't kind of robin hoodish then you'd be like what i don't get it oh yeah the the flavor wise it's it's on robin hood and it makes sense it makes sense so speaking of absolute flavor wins the royal (laughs) Uh, absolute flavor wins huh yeah, no, not really. Okay, the Royal Scion, the Royal Scions, um, for one blue and a red, it is a legendary planeswalker, Will Rowan. With it's, it's, yep, it's, it's Will and Will and, and also yeah. Rowan. Yes, also, um, not 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 William Rowan. It's, okay, yeah, anyway. it's not so, a first and last name. Right for that comes into enters the battlefield with five loyalty for its plus one ability. Draw a card, then discard a card. Okay. Um, for that ability, you're going to draw and discard that card uh, while it's resolving. Nothing's going to happen in between, and you can't really do anything in the middle. No player can. Uh, it's got another plus one ability that says target creature gets plus two, plus zero, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn. That Now, we've seen on some... Planeswalker, sometimes it'll say up to one target creature gets, so meaning you can activate it without uh, without having a creature. That's not the case here because you've got that one ability that says you know you can plus one and then draw a card. So you kind of always can do that one. You, you will always have, mostly always have a pl- something to do with your plus one. Yep. And it's got a minus eight ability. It says draw four cards. When you do... Oh, that looks like a reflexive trigger to me. when you do. Draw four cards. When you do, the Royal Scions deal damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. So that last ability is going to go on the stack without a target. Okay, because it's really just draw four cards. Uh, Then, while that ability is resolving, you're going to draw those cards. Then it's going to say, hey, when you do... Uh, you're gonna you're gonna deal damage to any target equal to the number, so that trigger is gonna go on the stack. That's a reflexive trigger. It's gonna go on the stack at that point. If for some reason uh, you draw fewer than f- four cards, because there's some replacement effect that says if you would draw cards, don't instead. Or something if if, like if that. something happens, like I don't know, if if something that right. prevents you well, from actually drawing four cards. Sure. Like, for example, if you only have three cards left in your library, you're going to draw fewer <laughs> than four cards. And then that trigger's not going to go on the stack because you're going to die. Because you'll be dead. Because you'll be dead. Uh, so, uh, and then if a replacement effect causes you to draw more cards, uh, like, for every time you draw a card, draw two cards instead, you're not going to get the reflexive trigger twice. If you draw eight cards, Just, you will not get... Yeah, if you get eight cards... It's like, oh yeah, but I mean, they're twins. It's the royal science. It's twins. I should it's, twinsies. It's just I should get my doubles. Two. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Oh, <laughs> speaking of right, speaking of things being in multiples, um, we've got seven dwarves, which is one card. Um, yep. It itself is a two-two dwarf creature that says seven dwarves gets plus one plus one for each other creature named seven dwarves you control. 
a deck can have up to seven cards named seven dwarves. Um, so, uh, as far as actually playing the, um, it, like, in-game, not determining how many you can legally have in your deck quite yet, um, if, let's say I have two seven dwarves, and I deal, and two damage gets dealt to one of them, um, and then the other one leaves the battlefield somehow. Well, now I have, I previously had a three, three, seven dwarves. One of them leaves the battlefield. Now I have a two, two, seven dwarves with two damage marked on it and it dies. So, um, as with things that give your creatures buffs and creatures that <laughs> give other creatures anthems, um, it's just useful to remember how much damage is marked on your creature because it may die later in the turn. Um, now looking at uh, how many of these you can actually play in your deck if you're trying to get cute, um, even <laughs> if you draft eight or more seven dwarves in limited, usually you can just play as many as you draft. Um, well, you if you draft eight seven dwarves, you can still only play seven. However, I am challenging you to draft seven seven dwarves. Me, Brogan, personally, okay. will will shake your hand if you show me a draft deck with seven seven dwarves. Hey, I got a, I got a question for you. Why is six dwarves scared of seven dwarves? Uh, I don't know, Brian. Tell me. Because seven dwarves, eight dwarves, nine dwarves. <laughs> that I don't think that works. I don't think that joke no, follows. No, it's free. It works. It works. It works just fine. Um, as another cute uh, flavor win from the actual release notes. So I know that if y'all are listening to us talk about this, you may or may not be somebody who goes and reads through card-specific notes, because we just talked to you about them. Uh, but there's some cute stuff in there sometimes. For example, uh, the last this is the exact text. Um, the last ability of Seven Dwarves lets you ignore the four-of rule. It doesn't let you ignore format legality. For example, during a Throne of Eldraine limited event, you can't add Seven Dwarves from your personal collection, no matter how happy they would be. Hmm. Which I think is cute. Yes, they would be. They would be happy. Maybe, maybe if you didn't, they'll be grumpy or sleepy. But will they be dock? Uh, well, I mean, you docked some dwarves, so we're less than seven. So we're at fewer dwarves. Yes, we're at fewer dwarves. Lesser, you know, yeah, or fewer. I don't. No, fewer. Fewer is the one we want. Fewer is the one we yeah. want. Well, then, Not there less. We go. Um. Gotcha. Next, we've got a person right. with a big bear. Yeah. Uh, that's Sir Farron, the Hinge Hammer. I love the, the title, The Hinge Hammer. The Hinge Hammer. It's a Peter Gabriel yeah, song. Exa <laughs> exactly, yes. Uh, uh, for Green Green, it's a 2 2. Oh, it's a bear. It's a bear. It's a bear. Uh, legendary creature, human knight. Mm, he's got a bear as a pet, a bear wearing armor. It looks like plate. Um, whenever Sir Farron the Hinge Hammer, 
uh, attacks, another target attacking creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is Sir Farron's power. So the value of X is determined when the trigger resolves uh, and won't change later in the turn, even if uh, Sir Farron's power changes. So when the trigger goes in the stack, Farron can be a like a 2-2, but if you know something happens to make it a 3-3 before the trigger resolves, then when the trigger resolves, the other creature is going to get a plus 3, plus 3, and then it's just going to stay there. Um, if it leaves the battlefield, if uh, Sir Farron leaves the battlefield before the trigger resolves, we're going to look at last known information, determine what its power is, so that we know what the boost is. And then, if the power is negative, it's considered to be 0. So if... Sir Farron is somehow hit with uh, something that gives it like minus two, minus two, like fatal push or something like that. Something that gives it a, a big negative. The negative is not going to, it's not going to flip the plus X plus X into like minus 13, minus 13 or whatever. Uh, um, I know you said fatal push, but you were thinking I of tragic slip. I was thinking of tragic slip. Um, so... So yeah, so you're not. It's that's that's not going to happen. You can't you can't act. You can't like steal steal a, a creature death out of this thing uh, the way you used to because there's a rules change like a year year and a half ago. Yeah, that it is relevant to to say that 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 is a change from previous rules. Um, that has not always been the case. So if that comes as a surprise to you, um, now you know. Yep. All right. What we got next? Next we have. Some art that I think is pretty cool. Um, Tome of Legends. Um, dun, dun, dun. This is another Commander Brawl card. Um, it is an artifact for two mana that says uh, Tome of Legends enters the battlefield with a page counter on it. Whenever your commander enters the battlefield or attacks, put a page counter on Tome of Legends. And then you can remove page counters to draw cards. It's sweet. Um, it's not, this is not super weird, um, but it's relevant to mention that if you control another player's commander, um, you do not get counters on Tome of Legends when you attack with someone else's commander. However, if another player controls your commander and attacks with it, you will get counters on Tome of Legends. Oh, so if you get attacked with your own counter, you uh, with your own commander, you get a a, a little concession. Prize. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, I I'm not. This isn't ideal, but I'll take it. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay. Something else that isn't ideal, but I'll take it is Torbrand, Thane of the Red. <laughs> What's suboptimal about this card? Wow. I don't know. I haven't read it yet. We'll find out. Let's find out together. Uh, for one red, 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 it is a 2-4 legendary creature dwarf noble. It says, if a red source you control would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, it deals that much plus two, in st- that much damage plus two instead. Uh, so, <laughs> dwarves are back. So, this is additional. Uh, this the additional damage is not being dealt by Torbrand. It's being dealt by the original source. So if I lightning bolt an opponent, the lightning bolt is going to deal the three plus an additional two. Torbrand's not doing dealing the two. Okay. Unless unless if Torbrand another... is the thing dealing the two, because Torbrand is itself a red source. Uh, fair enough. 
Right. So if Torbrand attacks someone uh, and it is dealing to, and it and another thing blocks, then Torbrand's actually going to do four damage to that thing. So two plus an additional two. So if another replacement effect modifies the damage, the affected player chooses the order. So this is that fun thing where if you've got like Furnace of Wrath that says, hey, you're going to double all damage, double all damage dealt. And let's say I swing with Torbrand. Okay. So. You're attacking me? I'm attacking you. I have out a Furnace of Wrath that doubles all damage. And Torbrand, uh, if a red source is going to deal damage, it deals two plus instead. So you get to choose because you're the player that's being affected by the damage because you're getting smacked in the face with uh, Torbrand's big giant axe. Ouch. Uh, You're going to get to pick which order to apply those two replacement effects. So I can either take six damage or eight damage? Uh, That is your choice, yes. Uh, So basically I can either choose to, to, okay, I would like to apply the doubling first. So I... It goes from two to four, and then I add the two, and that's six. Or I can Mm -hmm. say, no, I'm good. I would like to add the two and then double it and take eight. Yeah, that's uh, that's hard mode (laughs) magic is what that is. Yeah, it's just an extra challenge. Yeah, so this is one of the things where when we talk about rules, sometimes exploring the rules and what you can do with the rules doesn't make strategic sense. But but you it, you're one. fully informed as to what your options are. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and, and the last note is, if damage dealt by a red source you control is being divided or assigned, divide the damage before you add the two damage. Okay. So um, this is this is relevant in uh, the case of trample creatures and stuff like that. So if Torbrand is is attacking uh, for two and has trample somehow and broken blocks with a one, one. Okay. Then I'm going to assign one damage to, to the Brogan's one, one, and then one damage to Brogan. And then both of those are going to get the two added on. Um, I'm not going to say, Oh, well, Torbrand's going to do four damage, the two plus the two, and then have it spill over, you know, the, the Brogan's creature is only going to take one, so three's going to spill over onto Brogan. doesn't work that way. So you'd say, I'm going to deal one damage to Brogan's one, one, her frogified whatever, um, bear cub. And, uh, and then I'm going to deal the other, the other one to, uh, to the player, and then they get they both get the additional plus. Two. Well, in this case, it does. St- either way, ends up with me taking three yeah. damage. But yeah, if it's I'd the reason beforehand. I might have I might have picked a better number that would have yielded different results. <laughs> we understand but, your um, intent. That's that my intent. My int- let's just pretend that the numbers were different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So I'll I'll do both of our last two cards because one is really just not. I only put here because I like okay. the, the text again. Um, it is it is intri- it's worth mentioning. So, witch's oven is an artifact. Whose oven? The, Which oven with, is it? Dis oven. Wait, no, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> so, it's an artifact for one mana uh, that has an ability that says tap, sacrifice a creature um, as the cost, and then sacrifice or. or bleh, 
Create a food token. If the sacrificed creature's toughness was four or greater, create two food tokens instead. I I know. <laughs> I love it. Um, so the exact text in the release notes says, um, "No player may take actions between the time you announce you're activating Witch's Oven, Witch's Oven's ability, and the time you sacrifice a creature." Notably, they can't try to remove or shrink the creature you'd like to bake. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, um, basically, once once you have uh, paid your costs and and put this ability on the stack, there's, or sorry, not, but mm-hmm. when you're paying your costs, there's no there's no moment of. Oh, I need to make your creature bigger before you sacrifice it, or to make your creature smaller before you sacrifice it. There is no opportunity to do so because you are sacrificing a creature as part of paying the cost. Um, and our final card, um, I believe this is also one of the brawl deck cards. Um, but it is called Workshop Elders. Um, it is a 4-4 creature human artificer for 6 and blue, uh, that says artifact creatures you control have flying. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may have target non-creature artifact you control become a 0-0 artifact creature. If you do, put 4 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Um, the, it is worth noting that this, uh, triggered ability, uh, Less indefinitely. Uh, there is no till until end of turn or other other like duration specified on it. So they will be artifact creatures until they're not there anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, they also your artifacts that uh, you've turned into creatures uh, will still have summoning sickness. If they entered the battlefield this turn. So even though you make a make it a creature, even even though it was an artifact before and you could have tapped your artifact to do whatever you needed to do, um, it's a creature now and you can't just attack with it. So be mindful of that. Um, if another effect later will ca- uh, causes the artifact to become a creature and set its power and toughness. Um, for example, our, our froggy friend sets the um, power and toughness to one. Uh, would that be, would our froggy friend be Snoop Froggy Frog? Snoop Froggy Frog. Yes. Yes. Um, uh our new our new set power and toughness will apply so it would override the zero zero to um one one but you do still take into account your four plus one plus one counters so if you assuming they're still there uh also worth noting uh crewing a vehicle does not set power and toughness so if the vehicle's base power and toughness are still zero zero if you crew it (laughs) Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Oof. Yep. 
So don't don't get fooled. Don't get got. Wolf. Yep. I I think this set is really cool. Um, I was I remember when I was scrolling through and saw the 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 Little Mermaid card. I was mm-hmm. I, that was I'm like I'm sold. That's so cool. Um, this yeah, this set has just is just bonkers with little tiny references of all sorts of things. It is absolutely amazing. It's got it's got so much stuff. There was a a, a Black Knight uh, that's zero zero. Um, it's not actually called Black Knight, but it's a zero zero that gets four plus one plus one counters on it. And then if it would take damage, uh, instead prevent it and remove a plus one plus one counter. <laughs> so it's basically the knight from the Monty Python that got its arms and its legs cut off before it died. It's, it's only a flesh wound. Right. I mean, there's just, there's just, there's, you know, uh, there's a card once in future, which is, you know, uh, a reference uh, to King Arthur stuff. There's... There's one card that's a picture of a pumpkin with like wagon wheels that fell off it. There's Beauty and the Beast references. There's, you know, Cinderella's glass slipper. There's uh baked in a pie which baked got like into some sort a of... pie. Right. There's just a ton of stuff. It's so much stuff in here. It's it's almost like a like one of the future side sets or one of those nostalgia sets where you're just looking at things. And you're like, I recognize that. I know what that is. It's um, it's some fairy know. tale goodness, and I encourage all everyone listening. Um, if you have friends who you want to get to play magic with you and to get them to learn, I think this is a really good set to do it. Um, what I, I started playing um, when Innistrad and Dark Ascension were out because I thought that the horror movie tropes were just so cool. And like it's something that's really easy to relate to. to for somebody who doesn't know magic and you're coming into this set full of Eldrazi or this Nicol Bolas, like, it's not a relatable setting to to just get captivated by but i think this one really is so i'm i'm down i'm very into it yep it's great it's awesome love it art's great art direction was was dead on everything love it whole thing gush 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 <laughs> all right anything else you want to say about our our very cool new set not a thing. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to this episode. I hope everyone has a great time at their pre-releases or whatever you've got going on to celebrate the new set coming out. Uh, if you like our show and would like to l- learn more about the show, listen to more episodes, you can find our archives at judgecast.com. You can get a hold of us um, on Twitter, uh, at JudgeCast on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com slash JudgeCast, or you can shoot us an email at JudgeCast at gmail.com. All of that being said, I am Brogan King, and I am going to keep it both fun and fair so Brian can keep it silly. I'm 
I was going to keep it silly. In fact, I'm going to, I keep, I'm Brian Prillian, and I keep a bag of M&Ms on me to use as food tokens. I love it.